Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to... The BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by ThorMX. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Very special edition. Guest in studio. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. Thank you to BTOSports.com and ThorMX for coming on board. Like I said, we don't often have them in studio, but this one we do. Um, the owner of X-Brand Goggles, former top privateer, uh, Montreal Supercross podium guy, and uh, all-around uh, testing guru, Rich Taylor. RT, what's up? Oh, everything. Now, I'm did here. you win Montreal? You never won Montreal, but... No, no, I led it. You led it. I, I led remember it. the race on TV. You know, it's the only Supercross we got as a child, yeah. so you led it forever. I led it, yeah. Uh, Fred Andrews, I'll never forget, because Fred Andrews was on the line. He had won it the year before. Won, uh, they were given like an ounce of gold, I think. Pound of gold. Pound of gold. Oh, no, yeah. no, not ounces, pound. And um, on the line... His uh, master link on his on his chain fell off right before the gate dropped, and I started right next to him, and and so I, I got a good start. And Rollerball was there, yeah, and Dubok was there. Um, I don't know, Ray Somo was there, and and I ended up coming through and and leading it for a while, and then I think Dubok passed me. I think I got second or third that day. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember, I remember, I remember. <laughs> you know, we we were cheering for Rollerball, of course, and, and I were. think he got fourth or fifth from the back. Yeah. So, hey, just pull your mic up a little bit. There you go. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're better. Um, well, hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And I guess right off the top, I don't know if most people probably know, but I do the uh, goggle service for X Brand Goggles, which is you're the owner and CEO of. Yeah. Um, so, right off the top, if we're talking about X Brand, it's, you know, I work for you. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, you're in town for the big uh, Motovan slash MTA. Uh, show here in Vegas. You yourself and Kevin Windham uh, in town for that. <laughs> He's doing for Showy. You're doing for X Brand. But um, I guess first off, uh, how's X Brand going? How's the how's the, the the company coming along? Things are going really good. Actually, we're uh, we're growing every year. Um, you know, even in this economy, which I can't ask for anything more. Um, and, and again, you know, every time I'm on your show, I always thank all your listeners because they're a huge part of of why we're still here for sure. So, um, but things are good. You know, we've, we're just plugging away We're uh, we make a really good product at a, at a really good price and, and people are realizing that and it's working mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it seems like in, and I'm, you know, a lot of industry people are talking and more and more, uh, Thorimax, BTO sports are on the show. It seems like the, the hard times are, are behind most of the companies. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, things are getting better. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not where they were maybe, but (laughs) it's definitely not where it was, but you do, you know, you talk to dealers and you, and everybody's kind of, you know, either they've got just a really positive outlook or, uh, or things really are kind of growing and, Mm -hmm. you know, we see it, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're plugging away, man. It's, it's going all right. Um, 
And then do you ever get anybody at these these shows or things like that that are like, hey, didn't you used to race? Or weren't you a magazine <laughs> guy? Or are those yeah. days slowly getting – like, like for example, there's really not any racers. Michael Lessie, but he has no clue, I'm sure. Nick Way. There's not very many racers left who remember me as a mechanic anymore. You know, <laughs> I am just now – the tubby media guy. And I'm always like, hey, man, I was a mechanic. You were there, yeah. People don't know that. So, you know, for yourself, I mean, for people who don't know, you were a top privateer for years, uh, lots of main events, national numbers uh, galore, uh, magazine cover boy for Super Motocross, Dirt Rider, yeah. uh, Dirt, Tra- Trans World now. Trans yeah, World, Trans yeah. World. Um, but do people know any of that, or are you just Rich Taylor, the goggle guy? Um, you know, most of them, I'm just the goggle guy, but you know, it's uh, like today we ha- I had probably six people come up, different dealers and and reps, and and they were like, uh, yeah, you know, they talked to me for a while, and then he's like, then they're like, either they would say, didn't you used to race, or didn't I see you in the magazine, or <laughs> yeah. or automatically, I had three people today go, yeah, I have on video when you got knocked out. Oh, of yeah. you know, so. I wasn't gonna bring that up because yeah. I normally do, <laughs> but who can forget 1996. Six. Six, yeah. You whole shot Washugal, and you led. Did you lead a lap? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You yeah, led a little bit, yeah. and then you just face planted. Yeah, I just yeah. lost the front end and, and hit my chin, <laughs> just fully free. It wasn't even a concussion. Just yeah. hit my chin, and you know the glass jaw boxing syndrome yeah. out. Out. Good night. Definitely. But I hear it. Yeah. Everywhere I go, it's like, oh yeah, you're the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Art Ekman yeah. going like Rich Taylor. <laughs> he's down. He looks hurt. He looks hurt yeah. as you don't even move. As no, you're, as you're I'm not just even, right. sound asleep, <laughs> dreaming. Yeah. Um, that was was that two fifty or five hundred? Two fifty. Two fifty. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so people do get, they do remember you. A little bit, yeah, a little bit, you know, and and actually, it's I'm lucky because I'm still in the magazine a lot, and yep. and that actually helps my business a ton because that's true, yeah, you know, I mean, at least I'm a legitimate guy doing something, yeah. selling, trying to sell a product I know works, and I know it works because I wear it almost every day. Does, so. does Don Mayer ever try to get you in any other brand? But X brand, he knows better. He knows better. He knows okay, better. all right, <laughs> come on. He's not like, hey, uh, you know, we really need you in these. You know, yeah, okay, no, no. doesn't work. Um, uh, Hey, you, and you yourself, uh, I, and I tell people this, like, okay, so you're, you're, you're former, former racer and all that, and, and you've got a lot of experience wearing goggles and you've done, done some great things, but you also worked at Smith forever. You, you goggles, your dad was president of Smith. Goggles are in your family's blood. I mean, you're, you know, you know, a goggle, you know, goggles. Yeah. You know, my dad was there for nearly 20 years and, and the crazy thing about it is I, I, started ski racing when I was three years old. Okay. And I basically would ski almost every day in the winter. And, you know, in the summers back then, I wasn't really riding motorcycles. But, you know, when I think about how many times I've put a pair of goggles on my face, (laughs) it's almost scary. You know, I mean, I'm 44 years old. And since I was three, I've worn goggles like... (laughs) A, every day, almost of, every day. A lot right. of my life, I've had, you know, I guess yeah. maybe that's, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But um, so when you started your own company, you're like, hey, this is the frame I want. I want this kind of foam. I want this strap. You know, like it, it you really use a lot of knowledge to build build a pair of goggles. Yeah, you know, I, I had to because there yeah. was no way, you know, just when I when I started the company, I was still testing for Team Suzuki. I was riding every day. I was still a guy. I would still race every once in yeah. a while. Um, there was no way I was going to put a product out that, that I didn't like yeah. or that I didn't think was – you know, was, was one of the best, you yeah. know, really. So we, we put a lot of time into 
developing, you know, thicknesses of face foam and different variations of face foam of, you know, the, the polyurethane, you know, the rubbers we use, the pliability of it, um, just everything about it, the, the shapes, everything yeah. you can imagine. Every aspect of a goggle you looked at, you tested, you tried. Right. right. And, and, you know, you might look at my goggle and say, well, there's, you know, it, it looks pretty plain. Well, the reason it does is because I built a, a, a race goggle. Yeah. You know, the go- it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. You know, I didn't have a huge budget to, to do crazy things that, that aren't really needed. I did what was needed, and I made sure that, you know, it fit a lot of face shapes and uh and, and was priced right yeah and, and that's that's what i had to do you know so yeah yeah it's funny you're exactly right obviously me being the, the race service guy and i'm, I'm not we're not going to turn this into a massive x-brand commercial but you know where's the wings where's this and that oh wait you know what it fits really good we don't uh when we when we when i give a, a guy a pair of goggles it's the stock foam a lot of companies don't do that right you know it's it's this foam off the shelf so Clearly, you've put some thought into this goggle because it works for the, you know the top racers today. Yeah, or, you know, no, and, a- absolutely. And it's not absolutely. fancy, and it's not like blown. You know, it's not like. Yeah. Know, does, hey, did you ever think about putting the fan, <laughs> the, the fan in the center, the turbo fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Smith definitely. had the roll-offs and the turbo fan. They were, uh, you know, Bob Smith, who who started Smith goggles yeah. way back in the day, was just the guy was incredibly smart, you know, and the and the. The, the ideas he had were just, you know, he invented the roll-off. He invented the turbo fan. He invented the roll-off? Like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I, didn't, like, I don't know if it was deal. him or, he, you know, he bought it from a company or something. No, nope. He... Nope. it was Bob. He uh, he actually invented reticulated cell foam, which is the, okay, the, the vent is. foam. Okay. It's oh, the okay. vent foam, yeah. and he had a patent on it forever, and, you know, no one else could really even were supposed to use it. You know, that was his, you know, even though it's just a little thin layer of foam, yeah. it was his, it was his deal. Now, roll-offs, when... Um, and Smith had a patent on roll-offs forever. Forever. Like, you never saw, like, even J&B and Bailey, they would wear Smith roll-offs with their, yeah. with their Scott goggles or whatever. Like, Yeah, it was kind of funny because back then, you know, Oakley would buy a bunch of Smith roll-offs from us or something and then put, oh, stickers on yep. it. And my dad was running Smith at the time, and he's like, nope. That's, you know, I guess it was oh, somehow okay. it was illegal or something. And, yeah, yeah. and so he put a stop to it. So then you would see just nothing on him or you would see Smith. On <laughs> yeah, him, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of times they were just like, ah, screw it. Just leave it on there. Uh, ingenious, right? Venting the roll-offs. Like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, you look back uh, in the uh, old magazines, too, and you saw some of the best riders in the sport, and they would roll-offs in Supergrass. I got a <laughs> yeah. photo of Larry Ward. He's got roll-offs in, like, the kingdom. Right. right. <laughs> Everybody right. wore them. Yeah. It just because they were cool. You know? They were. They yeah. worked, you know? I yeah. mean, if you get your roll-offs set up correctly, they they yeah. work. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully business is going good and uh, onward and upward, right? I guess, um, like you said, business is, is improving a little bit. And so you're the goggle guy. You're stuck with it. That's I'm, it. That's yeah. me. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> that's I'll it. let my kids take over here shortly, hopefully. <laughs> um, and also, too, one thing that, that's close to your heart, you know, you used to race. You, you, you got stiff by some companies for some money. You got paid by some companies for money. And you're always like, I know when I deal with some riders with X-Brand stuff, you're always like, look, I don't have any money to pay you, but I'll, I'll do this and this and this because I'm not going to promise the world. I mean, there's some athletes that get paid, but – you as a former racer, you know very well about promises companies can't keep. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? So you're like, hey, um, here's what we'll do for you. Yeah. That's it. You know, because you've been there. You've been that guy. No, and you know, and, and honestly, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not big enough to, to promise money to yeah. a lot of these guys. But you know what? We'll, we'll, 
you know, a lot of the privateers we sponsor, we don't pay them, but we try to take care of them. I try to do ads with them and, and yeah. you know, pump them up and, yeah. and pay them in other ways that maybe is more valuable down the road than just a, you right. know, a $500 check or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a intense goggle world out there. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm on the front line. Yeah, sometimes I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to talk about it. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> make my heart rate go up. A little no, bit. I know, I know. <laughs> um, uh, hey, and also too, on top of being a racer, you tested for Honda for how many years? I was at Honda for ten years, and then uh, Suzuki for twelve years. Yeah, so you've yeah. ridden, a, you've you, you've raced at a high level, and you've tested behind the scenes of a, of bikes. We did a a podcast. God, I gotta say that's a couple of years old now. Um, some of these stories may be repeated. Some of them will be new. I highly suggest you go back to the archives on Steve Mathis Classics and dig up our original podcast because uh, Rich has some cool stories in that and you, something you still get mentioned to today. Two, yeah. three years later, people go, oh, man, I love that podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, so. it, it's you know, it's, it still surprised me. I think I, I ribbed you about it, how I can't believe that something <laughs> you did something. is getting this much attention. <laughs> and uh, But, man, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And, and, again, you know, and, and a lot of these guys are wearing X-Brand goggles. So, again, I just I, I want to say thank you. Again, I don't want to make this, like yeah. you said, not yeah. an X-Brand ad, whatever. I appreciate it. But, but yeah. yeah, no, it, thank it, you. Your Definitely. stories are incredible. You've been around, you've been around and done a lot of things. Um, let's touch on, before we get into some of the old stuff and the old stories, uh, 2014 bikes, um, 2013 bikes. You do, like we said, we do a lot of testing for Schwanch World. Let's just call it Schwanch World. <laughs> now we can say Trans World. Um, what What do you like right now? You rode the 2014 Yamaha. Is I that did. a better bike? It you is were a... not a fan of the new generation bike. No, I wasn't. I yeah. wasn't. And um, you know the 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 new generation. You know what I am a fan of is Yamaha's um their their vision to make something new innovation to make it better yeah absolutely there are I think a lot of cutter cookie cutter bikes yeah. yeah and and yamaha is like you know what let's let's try it let's do it and and i dig that man i i give them so much respect for that that's awesome i wish i wish all the companies really did it um mm -hmm. the, the last year's bike I, yeah i wasn't a fan of yeah. it it's wide it, it's hard to get up over the front it's hard to get the front end to stick in the corners um, and that was kind of my biggest, especially the older I get, I, I want that front wheel glued to the ground. <laughs> I mean, it, you right. know, it's a little bit of an excuse, but it's also pretty much 95% of the people out there yeah. are probably feel pretty similar to how I do. I, I like the front end to stick. I want to be able to, you know, to drift into a corner and know that the front end's not going to go. Um, and I felt that the front end was, was hard to get over the front on, on last year's bike. Yeah. Um, the new one. A lot of guys would bring it in, but then it would get sketchy. Then it they'd gets, bring it in to put weight on the front wheel, right. but then it's scary then down it gets the street. Right, and right. Just, just it was a tough bike to make work, yep. and you know the guys who made it work got some good results. Yeah, on absolutely. It, you know, but do you subscribe to the theory? And this is something that I put out there: you had to be a bigger guy, or help to be a bigger guy to make that thing work. Davy Millsaps, yeah, Colton Fasciati, um, these bigger dudes. I would kind of think Kyle so, Chism. but you know, but then you can argue that you know, like Bobby Canary does pretty good on it, and he's a little I mean, little. He's just meathead, like that's meathead. Yeah, yeah, yeah meathead but... can. I mean, <laughs> he's happy, and he'll just meathead through anything. I mean, uh, I you know, he cases so many things and just, just holds on for life. It just but anyways, up. yeah. So, but no, I okay. would agree with that because yeah. it is. It does feel like a big bike when you're on it. Yeah. It does. It does. And Absolutely. so the 2014 is it better? 
It is a lot better. Um, motor, which I never had a complaint with last year, is excellent. They have narrowed it up so you can actually slide up over the front of the bike. Um, again, the bike is still very, very light on the front end. Um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to like put a bigger front tire on it. I've only ridden it in stock form. Um, I've messed with the clickers to try to balance it out, raise the rear end a little bit to try to weight the front a little more. Um, I, I definitely still have an issue with the front end on it, but the rest of the bike, if you steer it with the rear, um, the bike works bitching. Mm -hmm. It tracks really good. Um, it's fast. That, motor's good, right? Motor's great. Motor's great. Everybody yeah. says that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still just that front end is so light. It, it, it just, it's, it's tough. You know, that when I look at them and, and again, I love Yamaha trying to innovate stuff and do stuff different, but right. you know, whenever we were testing, we would always tilt the motor a little bit forward, you know, a millimeter forward. We'd lower the front of the bike a millimeter. They yeah. went the opposite and tilted yeah. the whole motor backwards, backwards which yeah. just. I'm with you on teams I worked with. Yeah. Uh, you know, you drop the frame millimeter, two millimeters. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know that you're actually supposed to, but, you know, it's. it's no, I think it's you can done. because. Oh, can you? Yeah. Yeah. Because you would. Yeah, I think you can. You can just shade the mounts. Just yeah, you're, it. Yeah, yeah, you're just changing the. Well, Anyways. we always did it on. on someone you know, wants all to protest the, us, I guess. Yeah, I go for it. Yeah, um, but you know, Yamaha went the opposite way, mm. which I think just makes it a little bit more challenging to set the bike up right. to to be, or you got to get used to that new style. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you watch Villapoto ride with the rear end everywhere. Maybe that's maybe that's the new way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, obviously it's the new yeah, way, but clearly. I don't know how many of us can actually do that. Did you did you ride the new 250F Yamaha? I have okay. not. I have that not. thing I'm looks sorry. like it's going to be pretty good. I, I uh, at least they they changed it. They changed it. They changed it and it's the, I think the only one. I guess Honda's going to have the dual pipes this year, yeah. but but you know they did change it and again they're doing something, you right. know. Where, you know, you look at the other guys and I think Kawasaki might have changed the grips a little bit or and and that's it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. Um, if there was a shootout, one let's go with 2013. Which bikes did you pick the the best in 2013? 2013, I picked the Suzuki the best. Both um, in both classes. In both classes. Oh, and did you did. used to ride for Suzuki for 10 years? But yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, right, got yeah. it. Mike Webb's real tight buddy of yours. So, <laughs> um, you know, and and I guess you could say I'm a little biased towards Suzuki's, but to be no, completely yeah, yeah. No, completely I, honest, I feel like the Suzuki 450 was the best one. Here's the weird and, thing: and least changed bike. The least that changed thing bike is, is, but you know, if we even want to go one step further, if if I were to buy a bike in 2013, I would have bought a 2012 Suzuki or a Cowie because I thought those two bikes oh, okay. were better than any of the 2013 bikes really? that came okay. out. Really? Okay. And yep. the reason why the Cowie was good in 2012 and it had, I think, you know, really good forks on it. Yep. Where they went to the air fork, and and I'm I'm not a huge. You're not a fan of that. I'm not a fan. That was yet. my next question for you. Yeah. Are we going air forks? Are we? I think to... yeah, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, air forks are the future. Yep. Absolutely, 100. percent Um, but if I'm gonna throw down, you know, what eight nine yep. grand now, yep. whatever they cost, I don't buy one with air forks. When's the last time yet. you paid for a bike? Have you well... ever pay, have you ever paid for a bike? <laughs> of course. Have you ever paid for a bike? <laughs> Yeah. I no, bought, you have not. I, I just bought not your kids' bikes. Not your kids' bikes. <laughs> bikes for you. It's been a while. Luckily, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm no, very hey, blessed to. You've have, been a professional you know. racer since 1988. <laughs> like, I've been very lucky. Very um, lucky. Uh, so interesting. Okay, so and the Suzuki 250F isn't changed much either, but but you like it. You're... Suzuki 250F's good. You know, yeah. it's just solid. And but the Cowie is too. The Cowie motor on the 250 is really really good. Yeah. Um, 
for 2014, I haven't ridden any of the 250s yet. All this you've is all ridden 13. is for 2014. You rode the Yamaha and, and what else? I've ridden the 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 uh, the Yamaha, the Cowie, and the Suzuki. Oh, okay. So, so I haven't ridden a yeah. Honda yet, but I don't really know what their rumor is. They're not really doing much to that okay. one. So. And, and the KTM, what do you think of that thing? And I've ridden 13. the KTM. I'm sorry, oh, okay. but the KTM 14 and 13 are almost identical. Yeah. They supposedly changed something, it, maybe in the tranny. Maybe if you had to build a bike, Rich Taylor, Rich Taylor motorcycles. Would you put an aluminum frame or a steel frame on it? I've asked Rob Hendrickson this question, Ross uh-huh. Maeda this question, you know. Um, what would you put on it? If it's a if it's a four fifty, I, I go to the, the aluminum frame. Okay. Yeah. And and that kind of contradicts, I think, maybe what I said in my last podcast. Um, but I think they've gotten aluminum frames. I think they're really, really they figured them out. Yeah. And and with the heavier four fifty motor, I think it works. Um you know, if two fifty F, it's probably still aluminum, but but you yeah. you can get away with a, a chrome model or a, you know a steel frame, absolutely. Would you recommend the ninety seven Honda aluminum frame for anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, if you could put like a planner in it, maybe somehow a what? hang it, you know, oh, and put oh. plants in it, so, you know, that that would be, or maybe right, a, right. a boat anchor. Uh, we used to call it the the lead pipe, so yeah, you could use it as a. Boat I'm sure anchor. Dave Arnold and the guys at Honda loved that. <laughs> they loved it. Um, they definitely loved uh, it. How much? Obviously, look, you've been at the highest level of testing for for race teams, for production bikes, and everything. So when you're out there riding, when when Schwench World magazine, let's. What do you think about when you're riding? Like I'm always interested. Like I can ride a bike, and I've ridden one for a while, and I mean I I always felt like. This thing's way too fast for me, and my suspension is whatever. Like I don't, I never thought too much about it while I'm riding. But no. you, tester extraordinaire, you tested everything on a bike. What do you think about? Like what? what you know, uh, you know what I mean. Like it, I, I go through steps. Okay. I have kind of ways that I do it. Yeah. You know, for the when I'm when I'm doing magazine stuff, you, you can't be too technical. You know, you you got to think about suspension settings, which are kind of. You know, suspension settings, it's really hard for somebody to go, a magazine test rider, to go ride a bike and then go write in the magazine, oh, the suspension sucked, because that's just so unfair. You know, I mean, okay. everybody's different. Yeah. Everyone's going to ride it different, even if they're the same weight. Body placement, everything. Everything. Yeah. Nobody yeah. rides exactly like I ride. Right. So it's really unfair for any magazine to sit there and bash the suspension. Now, there's, you know, the KTM front forks are a little bit of an old-style fork, no matter what setting you have in them, they dive. They'll bottom out. If you try to stiffen them up, now, they get Is that spring rate or no? No. no okay. It has nothing okay. to do with spring rate. It just has to do with the way the fork is. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of them, and I can write, you know what? These other forks are maybe better than those forks. Okay. That's my opinion. It's not the setting. It's not anything. So if something's diving on you and hurting your hands and bottoming, you're not, all, you're not ready to just write it off because you, you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm – over jumping here. Well, that's why it's doing that. Absolutely. Or right. I yeah. mean, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta put into perspective yeah, everything yeah. you think about. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Again, if I'm magazine testing, I don't go too deep into what it's doing. I, uh, yeah. I get my first impressions of the motor, of of the suspension. Then I'll think a little bit about what I think about the chassis. Ergonomics are obviously really important if you're not comfortable on yeah. the bike because it's weird. You know, last year's Yamaha was really fat in the yeah. front. You and, know, and I the, didn't like it. The sucking just, noise, the sucking noise. And then <laughs> the noise under the seat was, yeah. was crazy. And, you know, I mean, those are going to influence your opinions. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Now, when I'm testing for the factories, it goes way deeper than that. Okay. You know, I mean, you're 
it's more about what you're testing. If I'm testing a chassis, I'm on it, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling everything. You're that thinking I about like what can. gear, where am I in gear? Where's my throttle hand? Where's my body? And what's it doing? You're all thinking about all that kind of stuff. All of it. Yeah. And you hit the exact same line every single lap, even if it's a ugly, shitty bump. You oh, make okay. Sure you hit so it you're hitting because it. Yeah, you yeah, need to yeah. know if this chassis is kicking me, if it's plusher, if it's harsher. Yeah. You got to know this stuff. And and you know, I've done it for so long, and when I'm in it and I'm doing it, you feel everything. I mean, <laughs> I, I, there were points where I could feel a millimeter of. Yeah. Of the hanger, the motor hanger, where they change one millimeter, and yeah. you're like, you'd never feel that in a million years. But when you're on it and you're you're in, I don't want to say in the zone and no. sound like some <laughs> dork, but when you're when you're actually <laughs> testing and you're really right. you're riding, you know, four laps hard on something, come in immediately, put something out, hit the same lines, yeah. and you're thinking about you're not thinking about what the suspension's doing, you're thinking about how it feels, what you want to feel. You can feel well, some incredible things. You know, one time working, I think I told this story before, working for, for Red Dog, and of course Tim Ferry's name is going to come up in this, but I we moved the forks up or down a millimeter. I don't remember the set height of the forks. Oh. And we liked it. It was a good change. So I didn't make that note, or I forgot to look at my notes. The next week, seven days later, we're at another Supercross. I put it to the old setting. One millimeter. Yeah. He goes out. He pulls in the practice. He goes, hey, you didn't put my forks to the new settings. Because he went home and put him in the new settings, you know right. what I mean, on his practice bike, and, and rode had, with it all week. Yep. I said, oh, shit, I didn't, like, I forgot. And, dude, I swear to God, one millimeter yeah. on a set height. He knew it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And he, I swear, that's a true story. Hence the reason why you're doing this now and you're not his mechanic <laughs> yeah, exactly anymore. Exactly right, exactly. No, it's, um, it's true. Yeah. You, 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 you get just, into it and you feel what you feel and, you know, it, it's, it comes. You know, that, that it's, it's. That says a lot about Timmy, actually, also, because 90% of the racers, the factory guys yeah. that I've tested with, you could, they, they couldn't feel anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could, they could go out and feel like they rode better that time, so automatically that yeah. setting's better, when maybe that setting was completely the wrong direction. I, Chad Reed, for example, I mean, he talks about now in the media about how he's so picky with his bikes, and I'm just like, well, it's not the Chad Reed I remember. You just pinned the shit out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and went balls out and normally that's how those guys are right. they could ride an old hodaka and and freaking well win, you were you, know? you were testing for ricky at times when he was at suzuki absolutely terrible you know, tester i thought so <laughs> he he didn't and i hope he's not listening to this <laughs> nah, he's gonna he, call me up no, no rt what are you talking about he doesn't about? like me he doesn't like me he's oh, like, he doesn't. Listen, okay no. well i mean you know ricky uh, yeah but it, it, it's so funny because how do you tell like the best guy ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. setting sucks. It's clearly working for him. <laughs> you know, but but there were, you know, and it wasn't just me. I mean, there, you know, we had Chris Wheeler, who's who's a good buddy of mine, who yeah. also was tested for Suzuki Former a lot of the Canadian times. Former Canadian factory rider, by the way. That's Black, right. Black right right before he busted yeah. his ass on yeah, the yeah. jump. But, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't just me. So it wasn't like, oh, well, Rich Taylor doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. It, we would, we'd be, we'd be like, look at each other and go, dude. Am I, you know, like smoking something? How did right he now? just go one one on that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. Seriously, you right. know, there, you know, obviously his bikes were very, very good, but yeah. there would be little changes that he would want to make that we'd just be like, dude, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, no, hey, and it yeah. worked, yeah. At the end of the day, it's still you know ninety percent rider and guts and skill and and ten percent determination, motorcycle. And right, everything right, else, right. absolutely. It's like I said, you know, Ricky could win he's a yeah, winner right. he's gonna win on whatever he no has. red dog was a good tester he was good yeah. almost too much because he would think too much if well, his practice times weren't where he wanted them to be yeah he'd be like what, what's wrong with the bike it's like dude nothing's wrong 
Right. Just get out and put some laps down. No, I think, you know, I think there's really something to be said about that yeah. because I think a lot of the champions and a lot of the best guys in the world weren't d- d- weren't d- good. You know, I mean, if you look at McGrath's bikes, he ran his front end so stiff and so high and the rear end so low. You know, his motors were great, but, you know, his bike was, was just weird. Yeah. But I, I don't think it really mattered, you know. <laughs> I think yeah. they could just ride – Whatever. They were going to win. Mm-hmm. They knew they were going to win, and they were going to win. Um, how long do you need on a bike to, to test it, to think about it, what it's doing, and to ride it? Like, Not long. No? No, I mean, no. I can I could jump on a bike and ride you know, four right. laps and come in, and you could make a change. And if I know what change you're kind of making, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. I can Even, kinda... uh, you know, Michael Lessie asked, uh, Tony asked you to test Mike's bike a couple years ago for a little bit, for a little ride. Right, yeah. right. And, yeah, I mean, you know, you know he, he knew that I was working with Suzuki for a long time, and, and it's it – just, uh, It just goes to show, like, when you've got it, you got it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you kind of uh, – you're a tester. You know? Well, since 1987 is when I kind of first started with Honda. So, yeah. I mean, I've been doing that and thinking about it, you know, like yeah. every day. You know, <laughs> every – you know, tires. I, I mean, yeah. you know, you want to talk about nitpicking, talk about, you know, changing the carcass of a tire like – barely and then having you know four japanese guys looking at you with their note cards you know with their with their notepads in front of you asking you well what's different what's better yeah yeah and you're like yeah wait these tires are almost identical <laughs> and you know the track is they just walk yeah, you know, yeah yeah it's yeah. uh you um, know there's there's the the p you know dubox been doing it a long time chris wheeler's gotten really good at it there's there's certain guys believe it or not that you can just you, you just you get yeah. real sensitive and you learn what to do to make sure you can feel something. Would you do it again if someone asked you to do it? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I, you... I still, you know, I'm still doing a lot for the magazine and, and occasionally, you know, um, Suzuki will have me do stuff. I've done some stuff for KTM a little bit and, okay. you know, yeah. it's still, I, I couldn't do it the way I was. I mean, you know, those last few years at Suzuki, I was out there almost every day and just pounded riding you know. all day long. Riding all day, yeah. which I could still believe it or not, I think I could still handle that. I'm still in decent shape. You should, and, you should try to national. And, what about trying to national? No, come on. Come what? On. No. Just no. for giggles. I mean, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Okay. It all ain't right. there. It ain't all right. There. Sorry. You've Maybe let, a vet national. You let that? it go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, you were trying, weren't you? When you jacked your Achilles, weren't you trying to race a vet national? I was going to ride the the what USGP you... was here. They had a forty That's plus it. class. They had, yeah, yeah, they had a vet, yeah. vet class or whatever. Yeah, that went out the window. Uh, yeah, the testing stuff is is really interesting to me, especially uh, a little bit of a you know mechanics screwing up things. But um, when you read now, when you um, when you hear a racer talk about his setup on the bike, and he's not able to to, to be comfy, are you like you understand that you're like you're not like hey grip it and rip it, you know yeah. like. No, I mean, it's just, you know, it, a lot of it is it's in their head now, you know, and they've probably tested a lot the last couple of weeks and, and they haven't felt comfortable. And, you know, it might be the bike, but it might not be. I know, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, I, I tested Stewart's bike uh, last year and, and you know, when he went to Suzuki and, yeah. and I was just baffled by the way he kind of ran his bike. The motor was so bitching. The shock worked really well, but the, the way he had his were front like end, lead pipes. The forks were really stiff, which which reminded me a little bit of McGrath's setup. Um, but he also, well, I, I can't get too too deep into it, but he just ran Why some settings. Why can't you settings. get too deep into it? <laughs> I just, he just, it's just technical stuff. But he ran some, 
some some setting in the front end that just I, it just kind of baffled me. And and the reason why is because and they told me straight up the reason he likes it this way is because he hits the faces of jump so fast. Yeah, which is something I'll never understand. <laughs> yeah, and he and he you know and he it wasn't his supercross setting, but when there was whoops, he blitzes them so fast that he wanted his bike set up a certain way so he could do that. Yeah, and um. And, but what I felt when I wrote it is there's no way this bike turns and it's a Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, How do yeah. you turn it? Yeah. Suzuki turn on a dime. Right. Um, but anyways, yeah, you know, I, well, I mean, well, I've always thought like if you see James and if he clips a jump, he comes up short. It's usually a disaster because the thing is set so stiff. He can't absorb anything. He's got to be perfect yeah. for the bike to work. If he's not perfect, it throws him on the ground sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I, and I know the Yamaha guys at L and M. I know Sergio down there. That's what they fought with him. They're like, dude, you can't. You got to stop it. Stop going stiff. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I guess he like, you know, I right. was told because of the faces of jumps, and you know, and he yeah. hits them so fast and so hard, which he does, you know, yeah, yeah. faster than anyone else in the yeah. world, pretty much. You know, it's uh, it, you know, you get. I get that question all the time, like because I interview these riders all the time, and it's like setup, setup, setup. I'm not happy with my setup. I. I made a setup change. We we went a setup change. Ryan Dungey's famous for that. Yeah. He changes seems to change a lot of things on the bike during the course of the day. And a lot of fans can't understand that. They they can't understand what the what the difference is, what's going on. But it's it's all matters, man. It all matters. It definitely does. Uh, you know, and and you know what I one thing I've kind of learned is is a lot of times a lot of setup is much worse than just a little bit of setup. Mm-hmm. There's some bikes that. You can almost ride him stock and race it at, at you know, his yeah. level, and the bike will work. A 96 CR250? A 96 CR250 was pretty good. <laughs> That's, um, but even, I mean, even modern ones, yeah, they, yeah. you know, a lot of times, you know, R- Roger DeCoster knows more about bikes than any of us probably ever will know. But I've ridden bikes that he has, has basically built for the guys that, I was like, man, this I can get on my stock bike, and I promise you I'll run faster lap times than this fire-breathing, yeah. full-blown works bike. Just because of the way the motor setup was and just little things that, you know, I, I told, you know, this is back in the day yeah. when Nick Way was riding for him. I'm like, Nick, get on my bike. He was riding for Suzuki <laughs> yeah, at the time yeah. and hating life. He was doing shitty in the Nationals. I'm like, just ride my bike. Yeah, Go ride it a couple laps. It's bone stock, but with a good jet setting yeah. in it. And he freaking, he's like, no way. Yeah. But, but. Well, he's the, a head case when it comes to bike testing. Well, well yeah, a little bit. But, you know, anyways, I yeah. mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. All the stock right, bikes right. are so good now, right. you know. And, I mean, obviously, at, at the top level, you still got to work on them. But they're just all so good. Right, right. So good. Um, man, I could talk to you about, we already half hour, and I could talk to you for hours about this kind of stuff. <laughs> um. Uh, are you, well, last question or last question about bike stuff. Are you a two stroke guy? Are you one of those guys that wants to see two strokes come back and they were better and, and we love them and all that? Are you, where are you standing um, at? Where do you, do I think they're better? No, I mean, no, I mean, obviously the new technology is better. I love two strokes. I just bought an RM125 off Craigslist, an old beater, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> immediately blew it up, took it to my buddies at Suzuki and got a new motor luckily. But, oh, but wow, yeah. my kid, you know, my older son, Richard's riding, you know, YZ125s right now. Um, I I talked to three people in the last two days about how much I wish the OEMs would come out with a, a 2000 or a 1999 
you know, yeah. 125 and 250 two stroke. Well, they kind of do, but they're still seven grand. Well, that's the problem, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, right, and obviously right. there's way more to it than I'll yeah, ever know. Yeah, but right. if they could just come out with something that costs 4,500 bucks and was a, a you know, old, old techno, old yep. conventional folks, right, I right. don't care, but make it affordable where me and all my buddies can go buy them and we can go battle each other. At Pro- my, you know, problem with that is no, nobody would buy the four strokes, and then there's well, sort of danger, right? Obviously, I mean the, but... the two strokes had kind of advanced and been stuck for a number of years. Like we weren't seeing much out of the no. advances of two strokes. No, and you, you, we still aren't. But you know, I almost want to disagree a little bit because I think if if all these guys went and bought these two strokes and they're and they're riding with their buddies and having fun. You're always going to want to move up to the next level, and okay. and I think you'd still, yeah. you know, you still want to go race. You're still going to want to go buy an. Exp- I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, no, okay, who right. knows? interesting. I uh, just wish they'd. I wish they would because two strokes are a ton of fun to ride. You can blow the thing up, and it's only going to cost you a couple hundred right. bucks to fix, maybe, and and you're good to go. Um, growing up in Idaho, um, you started riding. You were ski ski racing in the winter, and then yeah. like. I started seeing Rich Taylor's name. You were in Super Motocross magazines, you know, 88, 87, 88. Were you just always just destined to become a pro motocrosser? Did you always just love it? Like what? I loved it. My yeah. my dad rode an old Husqvarna when I was, you know, I can I have a picture. I think I'm two or three years old on my big wheel with, with, with goggles on and a helmet okay. in the middle of a mud puddle. And we're at a race where my dad was riding some old Husqvarna and Ever since then, I was going to be a pro motorcycle racer. And okay. anyone would ask me what I was going to do when I grew up, that's what I was going to do. Um, and but, being from Idaho, though, it's tough. Like, that's not many people came from. I mean, Hannah lived up there, but right. he wasn't from there, you know? Right. Like, and, uh, you know, and, and so I was a ski racer, actually. Yeah. I skied, you know, I, I skied on the Sun Valley ski team, and that's that's what I did. And then in the summers, you know, it wasn't even till I was like ten or twelve years old that I even got a motorcycle ever. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, I never even rode one till then. Um, but then towards the end of when I was skiing, like when I was you know uh, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. I started riding in the summers with Hannah and Danny Laporte lived up there as well. So how, uh, what years would this have been? That would have been uh, eighty, like man, eighty. So Hannah was full factory Honda. Like he was full blown factory right. Honda, and he was you know at the top of his game. Really. He was the guy back then. Yeah, yeah. And and he. How you know, did you get to know him? Through um, just you know Sun Valley is a really really small town, uh-huh. and you kind of know everybody. And my dad knew you know obviously all the guys at Scott. Yeah, and, yeah. And those guys were riding for Scott at the time, and actually eighty four was when my dad was actually at Smith. I think by then, and and uh. Hannah. You know, and Hannah was riding okay. for us. So, um, you know, I would go train with with him, and and I'd go ride with Laporte and and with Hannah. Oh, Laporte lived up there, yeah. yeah. Danny Laporte was there, and uh, dude, I just did a podcast with Danny Laporte. I had, I mean, I knew he was rad, dude. Yeah, but I didn't know how much he had really done in his motorcycle career. Oh yeah, and how gnarly he was. He went to Europe not because he lost. Uh, he had opportunities to ride in America. He's just like, I want to go to Europe. I'm over. Yeah. I won the world title. I want to go race Baja. Like he just. Yeah. Desert racing or whatever. Yeah. Danny's awesome. So awesome. And just the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Yes. Yeah. I was blown away by the podcast in the fact that he, you know, was so good and he never always challenged himself to move to the next level. But but when you met him, he was riding Husky. He was back from Europe riding Husky. Yeah. I mean, I originally met him way back in the day on, you know, when he was still racing here. But then, yeah, when I started kind of hanging out with him, you know, I was 
yeah. you know, 14 or 15. I can't remember. But, yeah, he was on Factory Husky. So you were, like, and, motoing down with these guys. And I would ride with, with Hannah some and, kid and Laporte. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget, the you know, Brian Lunas was Hannah's mechanic yeah. and, and had the box van in town and full, you know, Hannah's full-blown works. Good Honda. tracks? Like, good tracks, too? Just, they were all, there. you know, they're not like tracks you see now. These are all hill tracks, and they're still there. All my buddies still ride them all the time. They're just out in the hills in, in Sun Valley, and, you know, there's this one called Roto Run, and it's, it, we call it Roto Rash, because it's hard as a rock. <laughs> it's uh, rocky, just shitty, slippery, just horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And uh, that next weekend was Colorado, um, national and i guess colorado back then this was before i was a pro but i guess yeah. it was it was kind of similar just yeah. hard pack and shitty so hannah and laporte you know we all went out to this roto rash track to ride and uh and laporte comes out with a husqvarna 500 yeah what one of those old white ones yeah. dual shocks probably L low tank on it i don't yeah. know if it was dual shocks or might have mm, been single i think they were single by then but it's in he's got it in the back of this old ford it was a turquoise Ford truck, probably in early 60s, late 60s <laughs> truck, just yeah. this old beater truck that he used to drive around. Then Hannah shows up and, you know, Brian Lunas is mechanic and, a full, you know, yeah. his full works bike, brand new tires. And, you know, and Laporte's bike's just, you know, yeah. beatered because he, we've been riding in the hills <laughs> all week. And we start doing motos. And, of course, I pull off right away because I want to watch these guys. Right, and, right, right. And, Laporte. It's amazing you became a pro motocross with that attitude. Yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hence my results all those years. Um, but Laporte just absolutely spanked, spanked Hannah. Oh, yeah? Like, yeah. I was sitting there blown yeah. away because. This was washed up, quote unquote, washed yeah. up Laporte. This is yeah. when he'd already, right. you know, yeah, yeah. kind of retired, kind of yeah, came. Yeah, right. Smoked him. Two motos they did, smoked him. And and Hannah changed tires in between the motos, and yeah. Danny's just on this old Peter Husqvarna, <laughs> and you know, just absolutely. I'll works never Honda, forget works that. Works Honda versus the Beater Husky. Never ever forget. Yeah. Forget that day. I was blown what, away. So, would Hannah like? Did he befriend you a little bit? Like, yeah, like, you know, he 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 used to fly me down, you know, in his private plane. I'd fly with him down when he'd go test I had no and stuff. Idea. Okay, yeah, he was super super cool to me. I mean, he just you know, I if I wanted to go try to train with him, I could go run with him, which lasted about you know ten <laughs> minutes, and then I'd have to stop, and right. he'd go for another hour. Um, I always heard like he would just ride the roughest tracks all day long, single yeah. file tracks, like well, in we had, Canyon and all that. We had this one track in Idaho. It's called Timber. It's still there. All my buddies yeah, still yeah. ride it, but it's literally like a goat trail. <laughs> like you think, Oh yeah, goat trail. It's probably, no, I'm talking <laughs> a goat trail and it's in on kind of shale and steep, like so steep. You can barely walk up and down these Hills. And it's in this, this at the top of this mountain at 8,000 feet, super high altitude. And just you got to try to ride this goat trail, and we would do 30-minute motos up there Jeez. and hammer out motos. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. And, and you know, I think back at why he was so good now, and I and I think about those things. And, yeah. you know, Bean Canyon out in California, he would take me out there, and, and he would just moto down on these gnarly, gnarly, rough sand tracks yeah. where I could go just a couple laps back then, and, and he would – hammer till the bike was almost out of gas yeah 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 the, the, he was just so amazing um so amazing and even in suzuki days you kept riding with him and all that like all that yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. um, your first your first you turned pro in 88 so he's 
still racing. He quit yeah, 89. Yeah, he, he quit was 89. in 88. Um, were, you, I had a, were you close to him in 88 or no? Still, um, could you? You know, we had it there. Actually, we my dad put on a local race in Haley, Idaho. Okay. And uh, it was a one-time deal. And I actually led him for about half of a moto oh. on 125s. He was it was right before Des, Des oh, Nations okay. when he rode an RM 125, yep. 87. And yep. I was on a on a Honda 125, and I was I was on it at that time. Of course, a much better bike than a Suzuki too. <laughs> nah, not his. His was a full works bike, but he. Uh, I led him for about half a lap one moto, and then he freaking are you kidding? Oh, Waxed okay. Me. All no, right. So yeah. Gnarly. All right. No. So still gnarly back no, then. No, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, even he's he was Bob like, Hanna, man. I know, yeah. but he was sort of like he didn't race much near the end. 88, 89. Yeah. 80, you know, he didn't race that much. But he but, was yeah. still like still the Hanna. dude. You know, <laughs> right, right, he was right. still the guy. Right. Right. You know, he's oh man, um, so incredible stuff I've seen him do on a bike, like hill climbing and doing cliff climbs out in the desert, just. Stuff that you look at and you're like, there's no possible physical way that something can go up that. And he would go up it. Yeah, yeah. He would he would jump and then he you just watch him squeeze the bike with his knees and weight the back of the bike and get traction. And he would go up shit that, to, I mean, today I just it blows me away what I've seen him do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You how lucky were you to, to be there with the ah. with Bob Hanna, right? Like, ah. Yeah, yeah. And just, the, you know, the things I learned just riding with him and just, you know, trying to keep up with him. But then just watching him and trying to imitate him and he, it's amazing. And he was probably brutally harsh, too, of course, like and all that, right? Yeah, but he's yeah. Hannah, you know, really dry <laughs> to the point. You know, he'd, yeah. he'd ask me if I'd want to go run with him and then he'd start laughing like, right. You know, because the guy would literally go run in the mountains in Idaho at high altitude and go run. Like up where deer are and shit, like on these hills you can barely hike up. Yeah, yeah. And he would run them. Yeah. And I'm not even kidding. For and I, you'd be out there for an hour and a half. How do you? How does anybody's heart even handle that? You know. Yeah, yeah. right, right. I grew up up there. Yeah. I, I mean, there's yeah. no way. So much respect for Bob Hanna from oh, you. Oh my like, god. Like, like, yeah, I, you know, it, it, yeah. I mean, forget about it. The guy, <laughs> forget the about guy it. just yeah. worked so hard, and his work ethic and his mental attitude. You know, you've probably read stuff that, you know, yeah. Hannah hated everybody yeah, yeah, and this yeah. and that. And, you know, it was true. Yeah. I mean, he he could care less about who he was racing. Yeah. You know, he could be friends with them, kind of. But, dude, he he just assumed punch him. <laughs> the guy was, he, I mean, he was gnarly. Great person right. if you were his friend. You know, he, you know, Jeff Hicks and JoJo Keller, those yeah. guys, he helped those guys Yeah, Hicks so was his much. guy. Yeah. Yeah, Rollerball and, and Hicks had some good battles in the Arena Cross Series, Canadian <laughs> Arena Cross Series. Up in Canada, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Um, uh, so your own pro career, you started at '88 and uh, 125 Supercross, and then you kind of, kind of a life of privateering. Really, you were on Team Rad and Bad in like '93. Ninety, I mean, was it even yeah. a team? Like, it here's was kind my, of a team. It my, was one of the, you know, it was. Uh, it's like, so here's funny. my point. Here, here's my point. Uh did you ever have a chance to to be on a real team? Like it wasn't like it was back, like it was back then. There was four teams, and that's it. And did you ever have a shot at a factory ride? Did you ever no. get close to a salary ride or anything like that? Like, when I when I was at Honda uh, in the in the you know 
mid nineties, I yep. had a really, really good deal with Honda. Okay. They were paying, you know, I had, I was doing all the R and D testing for them. So my whole deal was through that. It yep. wasn't because I was some, was that a salary racer. thing or are you still per day? It was per of? day, but I also had a, um, I had an allowance so okay. I could go race, you know, I could fly to the races. I could have a mechanic drive to the races and I, and it would all be paid for. Oh, okay. So, oh. And I had good bikes. Yeah, I yeah. had, I had some really chance ability. Your bikes were illegal. <laughs> Pretty high. There were a couple races that maybe <laughs> a they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have passed if if I was one of the <laughs> if top anybody guys. Anybody had bothered to check, and they really checked. I well, you were testing. You were in a way yeah. testing, right? No, and I was. Yeah. And you yeah. know, it was funny because uh, Hangtown National, I think one year. I think I've, 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 you probably know better than me, but I, I finished pretty good. I think I was up there and I was on, I was on the, the next year's bike and it was a fully different frame. It was a, a totally different bike. And I went out there, but it was bone stock, bone stock that it was going to come out the next year. And it was, I'll never forget because I, I, I placed pretty good. I know I was top 20. Um, I may have even been. Hangtown, you got 11th and 96. Yeah. I'm just uh, checking your 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 status. No, nah, it wasn't 96. It was before that, I think. Before that, okay. You what got a 12th and 95. Okay, so in and 90, that's it for Hangtown. Yeah, didn't I get? I got six there or eight there one year. Well, maybe after, but before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, it was one of those years, and but it was funny. Oh wait, because... I'm sorry. You got eighth and 91 on a Suzuki. Good job. Oh yeah. 91, eighth place, 250 class. Yeah. That's pretty legit, RT. <laughs> you uh. You finished right behind Brooks and right ahead of Bowen. Oh, did but I? But Kelly Andrus got sixth. Wait a minute. <laughs> he lived there. Oh, though. this is the mud race. Yeah, that was the this mud race. This is the race. mud race. Never mind, because Dan Jeanette got fourth. <laughs> Rodney Smith, Kelly Andrus. How funny. Oh, wow. The, the mud race. That yeah, was, that was gnarly. Yeah, it was. Okay, so anyways, back to the deal. So. Anyways, but so I was So you had I was a pre-production on, bike. And it was like almost a production bike. Bone stock. And I went out there, I got 12th or whatever I got, and and then the bike came out and the magazines did, did I remember one of the magazines did a test on it and just bashed it and said it was just a piece of shit and that the the forks bottomed out, rolling it out of the dealership and just bashed this thing. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, how can you guys do that when I just was top you know, 15 yeah. at a national? Right, right. Come on. So, yeah. so that was maybe your closest shot to stardom. You were getting works, bark, works parts, Henry Lampson, Henry or McGrath days. Yeah. You were getting salary from R and D. Um, that was maybe the closest, best ride you ever got. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you look at your results, and again, it was a different time. There wasn't all these satellite teams and everything else. Nowadays, if you did that, you'd be making you know hundred yeah. grand a year or whatever. Yeah, crazy. I was talking to. Some, I don't know, another racer about that, race yeah. Soma or something. And I, I was like, dude, we were in totally the wrong time. Yeah. Because yeah. just before us, the contingency, the, the OEMs paid was ridiculous. It yeah. was huge. The factories had tons of people on their team, like in the late 80s yep. or early 80s. Yeah, yeah. That whole period, the teams were huge. The contingencies were huge, so a privateer could make tons of money. Yeah. Then there was our time yeah. when there was hardly any contingency, no team. Yeah, like I think Jim Hawley told me like in the mid-'80s, he made yeah. forty grand one year from contingency. Yeah, just, just yeah, contingency. Yeah, 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 never mind person. Yeah. Never, yeah. And then just after my time is when all those satellite teams came right, in. Right. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> give me a break. Hey, you were good on 500s too. Uh, I don't know if it was a lack of competition or not, but your 500 national results are good. 
Yeah, no, I, always, I love the 500. Yeah. I loved it. Did you always you, you always like like riding it and stuff? Yeah, I just always felt good on them. I um, was lazy, I guess, and that's why. It's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show. Brought to you by BTOsports.com. Presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com to help out PulpMX.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side. The Podcast Show is brought to you by BTOsports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Racer X Podcast Show. Use coupon code Pulp MX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. For 2013, JT Racing enters its next generation with the all-new Evolve Lite, ProTech, Enduro, and Limited Edition collections, taking quality and innovation to a whole new level. Also available in youth sizes, each collection is built with high-grade materials offering its own unique characteristics to meet the demands of today's riders, both recreationally and competitively. To find a dealer or view the entire collection online, log on to JTRacingUSA.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. Any, you know, off the record, we're friends and we've talked, we've talked off the, not off the record, but when we're not recording, a lot of your stories involve chicks and chasing chicks and part, you know, being a privateer, right? On the road. Do you regret your career at all? Like, no. Like, you know no, what I mean? No, no. Like, do you think if you would have really trained and really focused, you could have done better? I, I, well, I don't regret any okay. of it because, dude, I, I was making a living racing motorcycles, man. Right. Come on. Yeah. I mean, anybody listening to this podcast is, is going, yeah, dude, that's bitching. <laughs> right, right. You, you right. got it. I yeah. mean, I had so much fun. Could you I have done better? You traveled the world, you, you know, yeah. like, literally. So, yeah. In in 96, um, I got pretty serious. And mm-hmm. 96 was basically kind of my last really good year. But yeah. I freaking. You were good, yeah. Yeah. I'm I had like... some issues with some some personal stuff. And I just got pissed off. Yeah. And I trained my ass off and my results showed it. You know, I was in the 250 class, the 250 yeah. class that year was stacked. I don't care what anybody says, but yeah. if you look at the the results that year, it's deep and I was I was right there. I mean, yeah. I wasn't going to win a race, no, but no. I was yeah. I was there and uh and and I and after that I think back and I'm like, "Damn, you know what? 
you know, I guess we all do. If only I'd have known this back right, then, right, things right, would have been a lot right. different. But no, nah, I have no regrets. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier. The very first Supercross I ever qualified for was Dallas, um, eighty nine or ninety no, or ninety one. Two first two fifty Supercross ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. So uh, two fifty main event. Yeah. And and. I was out literally the entire night before that race. And, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I didn't really drink. Um, you know, I didn't do any drugs or anything crazy yeah. like that. But, you know, I like to go out and have fun. And, right. and you know, all the mechanics were always going out and having fun. And I was out with them. And, and I had met a girl, a chick, of course. So I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, let's yeah. go out, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm here. We're at, you know, my lifestyle, whatever. And, uh, you know, we're out dancing, and we're in Dallas, Texas, D-Bellum. There's just this area that mm-hmm. used to be really, really cool. And, and uh, you know, and I ended up, you know, sleeping until I had to go practice the next day. And, <laughs> and I ended up, I don't know, I won. I think I won or something, the LCQ. Yeah. And as I'm coming off the track, um, I remember going off the finish line and just being like, no way. You I made just, the you know, I yeah, made yeah. my first maid. And, right. and I came off, and I remember all these mechanics, you know, that were just, they were cheering me on and clapping and high-fiving me because you know, I was out with them until yeah. freaking, you know, three in the morning or something. And I don't advise that for anybody, <laughs> you know, because right, right. um, – but yeah, and then in the main event, no. I actually ran top ten for like more than half of the race, just crapping my pants. <laughs> like, dude, am I really yeah. supposed to be here? You know. Well, '96 was my first year as being a mechanic, and actually, that's scary too. <laughs> and yeah, you 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 did really good that year. You were yeah. on it, no doubt. You had the uh, uh, pri- the privateer Honda box fan uh, Boswell carburetor because yeah. uh, we all wanted. I was working for a privateer, and we all wanted to get Boswells because yeah. you know you were killing it, and you were good. Yeah, yeah same I year as Washougal knockout, what we talked about yeah, too. But, yeah. but no, generally, yeah, you rode great that year. So no, I was on it. Yeah. I felt I was comfortable. I was strong. I was really strong, yeah. and that's what it was. What, what's mean, the most money you ever made uh, racing? Did you have? Oh a, like, man, I mean, did you, you make know, hundred thousand? Did you make a hundred thousand? I did well, but you know, I I didn't make a, a bunch of money racing, and I, I think you, yeah. you know anybody who has tried to go out there and make money racing knows there isn't a ton of money racing. I, yeah. you know, unfortunately, there just isn't. But I kind of you know I I I wanted to do it so bad that I figured out a way yeah. to make a bunch of money, and and that was by meeting the right people and doing the things I needed to do to test motorcycles, to be in the magazine. I got really tight with Dirt Rider magazine, so I was making a bunch of money from my helmet, my gear, my Oh, you boots. said, hey, if I'm on, if I'm in, yeah. Yeah, I was getting photos. contingency, yeah, plus I was getting signing bonuses because I'd, I'd bring a, a stack of the magazines in from the year, and I'd be like, look, here's your factory guy that you're going to spend a bunch of money on. I'm in the magazine yeah, twice yeah. as much as that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I so you would keep paid. track of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to, you right, know, right. or else I had to oh. get a real job. And, and that was not going to happen back then. <laughs> what was the coolest <laughs> place you ever went racing um, in um, the world? I mean, was there. God, you know, Australia was always cool. We, yeah. we raced by Surfer's Paradise in Australia, and that, that place was just unbelievable. Just being on the beach and, yeah. you know, as far as the race goes, I yeah, forget yeah, what, about, what about it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about the topless <laughs> beaches right, right. and the blue water and just being in paradise, yeah. Surfer's Paradise. Um, um, place was badass. How many trips to Japan have you made in your life? Oh, man. Um, you know, in the, in the days, especially when the, the 97 Honda was coming out, we were going quite a bit. There was yeah. a couple months that we went twice in the month. and, and See, know. that kind of hurt your racing, too. I mean, you were making money, so it was good. But if you really right. think about, like, how much that hurt your development as a racer, it did probably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I was okay with it because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I yeah. realized I wasn't going to win 
mm-hmm. you know, I might, you know, I might get some top tens, but there wasn't, there wasn't yeah. money, you know, I mean, it just yeah. wasn't going to happen. So. Uh, one race for you that stands out in your professional career, like any, you know, it's maybe, funny because maybe any, anytime you beat rollerball, would that be, I, I beat rollerball a couple times. Mm, I did. I doubt it. No, no I'm I did. just kidding. I'm I kidding. did. Uh, is there one that I remember passing rollerball in Quebec? I think I told you the story already. I passed him. We I'm were in sure, Quebec yeah. at some baseball stadium supercross <laughs> and i passed him on the back straight away after this triple he didn't like to jump okay he didn't like <laughs> jumping he wasn't good at it but i just remember crapping my pants going oh shit going into the next turn just knowing i was gonna die <laughs> and and luckily i was away right, enough that it right, didn't right. happen but i i'll you never knew. forget that i knew you I, knew what was coming and i was even friends with the guy and i yeah. knew He's i was gonna get aiming clobbered. for your tib fib <laughs> That's what he did. Uh, he didn't like to jump, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, one race in your career that, that stood you know, out. Like what? I had, you know, I, I did really well at Steel City one year where. Yeah, on 96. Yeah, oh, yeah. and um, I was up there and ended up a lapper got in my way on the last lap and Doug Henry passed me. Otherwise, I would have finished, like, I think almost third or fourth overall if uh-huh. I would have gotten that one position. But because of that one position, you were sixth it bumped overall me, yeah, it bumped me yeah. back to sixth. Yeah. Um, you know, there, believe it or not, there was a race at Hangtown. And I, I was probably – it was probably that race I got 12th or, or – mm-hmm. and I was probably 96, but Bradshaw was racing. And I was ahead of him, and I had him spotted on one of the uphill downhills. And I remember just slowly – this was after his comeback, so I'm yeah. not saying anything. Yeah, Bradshaw yeah. was when he was kind of over it. Right. Probably wasn't well, training. Maybe it was probably Manchester was, Honda Days, 97. No, he was He was on a Yamaha. Okay, he was so it would have been 96, Yamaha. 96, he was back, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was over it. He, you know, and, yeah. But still, to me, he was badass. Oh, yeah. And I just kept inching away from him, and I had him spotted on this one section every lap. And I was like, you know. Like I'm beating Bradshaw. Totally. <laughs> totally. And, you know, it sounds corny, no, but to yeah, me, yeah. that was that yeah. was freaking gnarly. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so no uh, – I don't know. I just feel like like um, you're right. You were in the wrong era because as a fan of the sport and then, of course, as a mechanic in 96, guys like yourself, uh, a Somo bef- – probably Somo before you, like in the early 90s, Cliff Palmer, yeah. um, Mike Fisher to an extent, although he had a ride. You guys were like 9, 10, 11, 12 guys. Yeah. making every main events and no money there's nothing happened no there's no rides no just if you weren't making on the four factories you were you were done no you could finish 10th at a at a yeah. supercross and basically barely cover your expenses yeah. you know and, and especially towards the end because a lot of the the, yeah. the oems dropped their contingency yeah. um yeah, yeah like, it, it got bad rollerball finished third at hangtown in 87 third johnson ward rollerball and i read the old cycle news they don't even talk about it they're like eh <laughs> like nowadays, if some dude in a van, which Rollerball yeah. was, comes down and gets third at a national, uh, I'm calling the guy up to talk to him. You know what I mean? Oh, different totally, time, different time. Totally like, different. You would you would get tenth at a Supercross, and then you'd probably be dressing, un- changing by yourself in the pits. Oh yeah. No one would come by. <laughs> no one would care, and yeah. you'd go home. Your stack autograph sheets would still be full <laughs> yeah, down yeah. there on the chair. Um. Hey, so testing for Honda. How'd you get the job? Um, Willie Simons was a, a racer out in Southern California. Didn't he do suspension? No, that was a different one. Okay. Willie Simons was, uh, he, he oh, he's was a dirt rider guy. He was a dirt rider yeah. guy. And I met him through dirt rider. Not the same Simons fork then. No, 
Didn't know that. No, 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 okay. no. Totally different. Willie was a badass. He rode 500s. He was a little guy. He still is. He still races. He's still really. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, still not, a he's not a taller guy now. <laughs> he's not a taller still, guy. Still a little guy. <laughs> but he uh, he was really good on 500s. And, okay. And he uh, he was a dirt rider, test rider. They brought me in. I started doing it with him. We became friends. And he was doing durability testing for Honda. And he's like, hey, you know, this is when I first came to California and was just trying to make it. And he's like, uh, this was 87. 86, 87. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, man, they need another guy. Do you want to come out and do it? Well, yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's how I actually first got the job. And, and I was just – I was always very consistent for him. My lap times were always good because they'd, they'd take every lap time. Yeah. You'd have to ride, you know, three, Yeah, you couldn't be a flake. Miles. You had to – yeah. No, uh, you had to be there on time. And they – you know, I had – you know, I, 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 I just pursued it as, as a, you know, a really a, good opportunity a, yeah. for me. So – I was on it, you know. I'll never forget the first day I was there. Um, uh, Mike Brown, flying Mike Brown. Not not Tennessee Mike Brown. No. Flying Mike Brown. Flying yeah, Mike yeah. Brown was towards the end of his racing career. He used to be really fast on 80s. and I heard that. And then uh, he lost his leg jumping. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Now, now, he, yeah. Now he's he a little like messed a up. But, daredevil guy. But, but I'll never forget yeah. him going out there. And he, they'd been doing it, and they had a relationship, and it was all Japanese Honda guys. And I remember him stealing a, a, a bed from the hotel. He stole a bed and had it out there. So in between motos, he could just lay down on his bed. And I remember him. <laughs> at Honda Land. This, was at, oh, okay. this one was actually at Glen Helen. Okay. And uh, we were doing outdoor stuff. And, and all, all they had us out there doing was trying to break the bikes. We yeah. were out there riding three 30-minute motos, and then we were done for the day. You go yeah. back to the hotel, do whatever you want, come back the next day. Right. And I remember him getting pissed off about something because they were, kept trying to get him off the track. And so he, he went flying past the Japanese guys, and he turned around, held the bike wide open, and he's all bonsai, <laughs> and he's just pinning it right at this camp of – of Japanese Jelly. guys, and then just does this big skid into the pits, throws it on the stand, and then just goes and plops down on his bed. <laughs> I'm just like, this was like my first day there, right, and I'm right. like, what just happened? Yeah. Oh my Is that God. normal? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, yeah. uh, Rick Johnson, you've seen. JMB, Jeff Stanton, Jeremy McGrath, Henry Lampson. These are all guys that you tested with side-by-side many yeah. days, uh, tested their parts. Who was the most amazing? You I mean, know, who was the most um, – what were you most awestruck about? Did J&B talk to you? No. Okay. No. No. J&B was – Not at, talking to everybody. No, but he was – Drinking Kit Kats or he eating would, Kit Kats. He would come in in his little truck. We used to test at this place, Honda Land in yeah. Simi Valley. Insane supercross yeah. track. Long, peaked. You miss a jump, you're breaking your ankles. That gnarly. Like, no joke. Right. Gnarly. Yeah. Stadium whoops. By the way, sorry to interrupt you. As a fan of motocross, where was that? It was always magazines said it was so secret, but where was that? It was, uh, you'd go like, into Simi Valley and turn right off the 118 freeway and you'd go back into the hills past this gated fence. And okay, so it was, it was just in the hills back behind Simi Valley. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, uh, I always wonder north, where that was. The north side of Simi Valley, yeah. 118. Okay, so 118 uh, splits through, um, right before the 118 turns into the 23. Yeah, where there's yeah. a dump there because I I lived in Camarillo, so I kind of know yeah, that area you know the kind of right. Yeah. There's yeah. a dump there, the Simi dump. It was back kind of. Wonder if it's still there. there. Like if you could still. The area is still there. They haven't built on it oh, yet, okay. but they mowed the yeah, mowed yeah. the tracks. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry. So all right. So he uh, 
he would show up and and sometimes with his girlfriend or his wife i guess and uh he would just he wouldn't ride laps he would just do sections and he would hook together like you know i'm going to jump from like this transfers, triple transfer yeah, yeah kevin windham yeah. stuff right. and he would do that over and over and then he would go and and blitz the whoops back and forth over and over but he would never do one full lap <laughs> You know, there was one point, I don't know. That's out of the Purcell school, too. Purcell was a lot like that. Is that how he yeah, did it? Yeah, yeah. But he it. was so freaking smooth and fluid with just a goofy style. His hips were always, like, forward, and his, you know, his elbows were kind of just, yeah. but insane, yeah. just smooth and fast. Like, like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There, there was, out at Hondaland, there was this big grassy hillside and uh, he went up there and carved. Yeah, carved his initials in there. in yeah. it, but it was so perfect. I wish there somebody's probably got a. Picture. I think there's a photo of it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I and think then Kai is. Drowski went out there and did a big circle around it with a big line, like a it. Ghostbusters thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the but oh. the letters and everything, I'll yeah. never forget how perfect I think they were. Stanton said like he would go, and then ten minutes of moving his bike to get to the next to make it all perfect. the next line. I believe it. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're like, "What is he doing?" And there, yeah. there it was. Yeah, I um, think I told you this story too. Once we were testing one of the new bikes, and it was about to come out, and I was kind of the guy doing most of the R and D testing. I want to say ninety two, yeah, something like that. He didn't like the ninety two bike. He told me. And dude, I'll never forget. He was testing on his full works bike, and Dave Arnold's like, uh, you know, uh, Bale, I want you to, you know, try this bike a couple laps. I think I, I may have told you. Yeah, this. it doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. But anyways, he jumped on the bike. And went one lap at Paris Raceway slow. Came in and gave it to him. He's all, this bike is shit. <laughs> and I'm standing there. You developed it. And I'm like, <laughs> my mouth kind of was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> and I'm like, I guess if you get off the best bike in the world onto this, maybe it feels like shit. But I, I didn't think it felt that bad. Right. I really worked. A, I've worked for months on this thing. Yeah. This bike is shit. One lap. I'll never forget. One <laughs> slow lap. He did not want to ride that thing. One lap. Um, so, RJ McGrath. It's JMB. Like what? What guys awed you? What? What were you? Well, in awe? Jeremy I mean, always. Jeremy always okay. did because Jeremy would always be so incredibly perfect. Let he me ask. Would, let me ask you this. Sorry, I'll, I'll get back to you and keep interrupting you. When he got off peak on the factory Honda, were you around? Did you have yeah. any indication that in '93 he was going to take over? Um, a little bit okay. because we, I, you know, I had ridden with him a little bit. Yeah, and and you could just he, Jeremy just always had that. You could just tell, you know, okay. he just even before peak when he was on that Cowie, and all of a sudden he just yeah. with his weird kind of. Back then, it was a little bit weird riding style, real BMX style, and and mm -hmm. but man, he when you would go ride with him and see what he could do on the bike, and you know there yeah. there was one point there was a they, there was a, used to be a TV commercial that um, I actually doubled him in this TV commercial at the Vegas Supercross. I okay. think it was the year the lights went out, and uh, I doubled him the next day. That night I doubled him for a Honda commercial. It was a checkered flag commercial. And, you know, I'm riding as him yeah. through the pits with a checkered flag. And then I'm doing some turns. And then he had to do a knack-knack off the finish line jump. <laughs> they didn't ask you to do it? <laughs> well, they did. <laughs> oh, okay. They asked me to jump the thing, but yeah. backwards. Not forward, but backwards. And so the takeoff was steep. Yeah. And the landing was pretty steep, but it was it was gnarly. And yeah. I was riding his bike. Full, I was riding Lampson's works bike with his, his numbers number on, on it. Yeah. 
and I had to blitz the whoops and stuff, but the bike was so badass. Right. It was easy. But I'll never forget this jump. And I'm like, no, I ain't going to do it. I don't even want to jump it backwards. <laughs> and so the next day he shows up after he just gets yeah. freaking looped the night right. before. It was the last race. He, yeah. you know, he loved to do the Vegas thing after it. So he shows up late at noon that day. The sun's 100 right. degrees beating down on the tracks, just shit. And they're like, um, we want you to jump this jump. Meanwhile, I've already talked to the tractor guys. I'm like, dude, you guys need to fix this jump so he can do it. Yeah. They hadn't done it yet. He gets on the bike, hungover for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent chance corner, that he's hungover. <laughs> freaking throws the, the biggest, fattest knack-knack yeah. backwards off this finish line on a jump. And that downsides I, the takeoff. Downsides yeah. it perfectly. Did it probably six times. Took his gear off and left. I'm just all, oh yeah, my yeah. god! Like didn't do any other laps. Like no, didn't be, no, yeah, are you yeah, kidding? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. didn't even get warmed up. Just went brat and and threw it six times and then left. Uh, I was blown um, away. That that I'll yeah. never forget how perfect and just just like so perfect. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Right away. Ugh. Uh, RJ. Any RJ, RJ I was stuff? pretty good friends with RJ. Yeah. yeah, but um no good testing no, stories. No. He was before me. Okay. Um and he'd already gone uh pretty much he was gone by the time yeah. I came in. But he actually RJ helped me a lot just at the races he would help me. My dad was pretty good friends with him. Yeah, how would you get to know him through your dad? Yeah, yeah my okay. dad got to be friends with him through Brian Lunis and then he kind of took me a little bit under his wing and oh, would cool. always always take me, you know, when we were walking the track yeah. and and help me out. RJ was cool, very cool and you know, RJ, I never thought of. It's it's funny because, you know, him and Stanton, and you watch those guys, and you're like, dude, come on. But yet, they were so much faster than everybody because they were just bulldogs, yeah, you know? And yeah. RJ was the same way. His style was was nothing pretty, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But gnarly, so um, fast. Yeah, you've been around some greats, for sure. You know, and you've seen them interact day in and day out and, and riding. So J&B was one, one guy that... I mean, yeah. not not to get more stories about him, but he, would he be one of your top three impressive guys or something? He was, yeah. Oh, I mean, tell the Everett story. Yeah, you know, we were yeah. out testing at Edwards Air Force Base. This was in the beginning. This was probably well, it had to have been the end of '96, so it was probably in November, um, one of the winter months. And and Jeremy the was new still aluminum on, bike. on the new aluminum okay. bike. He, you know, we they just brought it. They were testing, and Everett's came over and. um uh, you know, they were doing works testing. I was doing some production stuff, trying to make that bike work. And Jeremy just hated it. He hated the bike. <laughs> but, you know, they, we yeah, were he testing raced, that He raced day. Percy on it. That was the only time he ever raced it, I think. Yeah. Did he race Percy yeah. on it? That's right. There's, yeah. a, there's a picture of him on it. Yeah. yeah. So um, He was like, can I use my 93 frame? <laughs> well, yeah, he loved that. But what was so different about the 93 to 94, 95, 96? Like, the 93 was super soft, and they'd actually have what, to change. What do you mean, the, the frame? Fr the frame was. This material was just yeah, soft. Yeah, okay. you'd land off one big jump and stretch the thing, but but he was always perfect, so he never stretched <laughs> them out, really. They'd still change the frame every I race. Always thought to myself like yeah he always used the 93 frame but i'm always like but what was different tank yeah. seat was all the same they didn't do a, ma a radical the, remake. the geometry was a little bit different okay. the you know the the headset was up a little bit higher okay. and 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 basically it was just softer it okay. was it was he so love that feel he loved just to feel the track you know the guy probably felt every little pebble i don't know yeah, yeah. okay so um, back to Honolulu. anyway we were back out to at edwards, uh, edwards air force late Base, 96 and uh you know, they were doing some works testing, getting their bikes kind of dialed in. And, and Jeremy went out and to do a moto and he was just, he was McGrath, man, just hauling ass, just on the new bike or the old bike on the, okay. on the new yeah. bike. And, um, just looked so amazing and so fast. 
and then um you know Everett's jumped out there and I'm and they were you know about half a track apart from each other and and I'm watching Everett's and I'm like god he just he just doesn't look fast and yeah. McGrath just looks so fast and pretty soon Everett's just starts inching up on him and and it's just the yeah. whole smooth that guy was amazing amazing how fast he was going cuz McGrath was a hero. Yeah. He looked like he was hauling ass. Yep. Yet Everts was just reeling him in. Just and he so he was clearly faster. Clearly. Probably over over a second a lap. Easy. Faster. <laughs> which, which if you think about it, perhaps that encouraged uh perhaps that made um Jeremy hate that bike. Yeah, I think even more. Next, you know next, what I mean? Like next really. week he announced he was he was going with Roger over to Suzuki, I think. Oh man. Yeah. Um and, we, and also too rich, uh and I just looked up on the podcast. Steve Mathis Classics, December 2009 is when we did our first one. And there's much more 97 Honda talk in that one. Oh, really? Yeah, we talked a lot about that. So okay. we won't get into too much yeah, about yeah. it. No, no, no. But you hated the frame. You, well, yeah. you liked the frame. Then they said we could have breakage problems. Yeah. And they said we need to stiffen this thing up so it doesn't break. Yeah, the first ones we got were actually really good. Uh, they, were, they were good. Our yeah. lap times were good. Um, you know, we, it was coming off 96 when the bikes were actually really, really good. Yeah. Um, and they immediately went into durability and started breaking little stupid stuff. The frames weren't breaking, but like tabs or something mounts and stuff were breaking. So they started beefing it up. Okay. The frame's getting a little worse, but it's still good. Something else would break. They'd beef. They just kept doing it and doing it until the thing was the lead pipe. (laughs) It literally was a lead pipe. That thing would spit you on your head so quick you wouldn't know what hit you. It was just just wild. Did you have an idea that MC didn't like it? Was he telling you, hey, Rich, oh, yeah. this thing's garbage? Yeah. And you were probably agreeing with him. And what bummed me out was those guys, Lampson and him, didn't they race it in Japan? They rode it in Japan. They didn't let them race it. They oh, rode okay. it in Japan yeah. and both said they loved it. And I'm like, dudes, don't say you love it ever. <laughs> I was so pissed. I'm like, don't ever say that to those guys. I don't care how good it is. And they both are like, we love well, it. We want to do it. And I'm like, Didn't you kind of no. get in trouble with Ar- Dave Arnold a little bit, right? Cause yeah, you were... it was because I would always bag it. And I, and I was so negative just because I was frustrated. You know, you, you ride your ass off and, and it never got better. So, so, you know, unfortunately, I just kept getting negative. And finally, the Japanese told, told Dave, you got to tell Rich that, you know, this can't happen. You need to at least say something positive. So I'd come in and go, man, it looks really cool. And it worked really good when I wrote up the starting line. And then I would just start bashing it. So uh, I was, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was Which kinda... you said was a little bit of a regret of yours, like being a little too uh, outspoken. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Were, um, I mean, you were you were a great racer back then. You were probably full of confidence, and you're just like, hey. Yeah, and I was, yeah, and right. that, and you know what? That's probably the biggest regret of of what I did in this industry was when I I just up and quit Honda, thinking that you know it was it was '96, it was the end of '96, beginning of '97. Yeah. I was doing really well, thinking you know, yeah, that that you know, I, no problem. Roger DeCoster and I were good friends, and he was at Suzuki. I knew I could go over there and. And I just up and quit Honda one day, yeah. which was just the dumbest thing. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me when I look back Did on it? Did you get us a job at Suzuki right away? Did Roger I got a job, yeah. but it was, you know, Suzuki and Honda are uh, yeah. so different. You, the the general public has no idea how different these two companies are. What do you are. mean, without bagging on the Suzuki guys? Hey, well, uh, you know. Uh, it's not even so much bagging okay. on them. It's just the size. You know, Honda's got like right. three – 
gigantic facilities. That, well, they even have more than that, but like yeah. main facilities with with big practice. They like own a town in Japan that has this this practice track and and road race tracks and yeah. and just racing. It's, it's, just, I mean, yeah. there's you know HRA. They've got a whole separate division in a different town. Um, HRC, the racing department's a whole separate one in another town. I mean, it's yeah. it's you can't even fathom. <laughs> Then there's Suzuki, who's got, you know, kind of their factory, and then they've got kind of their R&D department. Mm. And and that's it. Yeah. The cool thing about Suzuki is there's not so many hands in the pot, so to speak, yeah. where, where you know, if you want to change the fork setting, you can change the fork setting. Where at Honda, if you want to change the fork setting, you got to ask this guy who needs to ask that guy who's got to ask that yeah, guy yeah, yeah. who might let you change the fork setting. So, I mean, there's good and bad, but right. but it's just well, a whole When I went to factory idea. Yamaha, like, there was no factory Yamaha racing team in Japan anymore. They had subbed it out to somebody who used Jubilo as a sponsor Jubilo, or something, yeah. Jubilo. And literally, like, our contact at Yamaha Japan was, like, one guy. Like, Bob Oliver would write one guy and be like, hey, how about this carburetor setting? How about this frame setting? How about this swing arms or whatever this is what we're seeing and if that guy was on vacation or sick we yeah. have to, there was no one else there was one guy yeah and he was like tucked away in a cubicle that was yamaha racing motocross you know right. it was really i was like wow what about where's all these japanese guys coming <laughs> over with all these parts no no just one guy no. yeah. he was a real cool guy but yeah that's the way it works over there yeah. but you know and that was one thing really cool about suzuki you know shoji tanaka who was who was kind of the main guy in the u.s he was passionate about it so so stuff would, you know, stuff. Is he the guy who hired done. Roger? Like, is he the guy? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. Oh, oh. He was, he, he was, was the R and D guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Hide, you know, was originally the guy, and he was pretty passionate, and they could get stuff done, which was cool. <laughs> where Honda kind of took, it took um, longer to get done. Uh, eighty nine CRs came with upside down forks. You tested them in late eighty eight. Had a problem. <laughs> had a problem. Yeah. Um, again, out at Honda Land, and and you know, we were testing those forks and little things would go wrong this and that and and one day um there was this big tabletop jump into a right hand turn and i landed off the thing and, and the bottom of it just snapped in half put me right on my head in two seconds Jeez. and uh i remember getting up and and like going what the hell just happened because i didn't yeah. even really know it broke because i'm like how did i just crash and i pick the bike up and i kind of look around and there's a big puddle of oil I look down, I'm like, no way. <laughs> so I start the bike and I kind of ride over real slow, yeah, kind of yeah. hand it to them and they're looking at me and I kind of point down and, oh, you talk about a firestorm, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they about lost right, it. Right, because that could yeah. be a production casting oh. or something. You know what I mean? They're like, Absolutely. stop everything, stop right? Stop the presses, no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, you rode an automatic in Japan? Years ago, um, Honda used to have an automatic. They actually raced it in one of the Japanese nationals, yeah. um, and they actually won on it, I believe, in the mud. They they actually won a race. It was it was cool, um, and I personally thought that's where the future was going to go. I thought they were going to be able to put, you know, some kind of computer chip yeah. that you could change for for different track conditions and that would change the way it acted. Um, it was interesting. It was yeah. interesting. A little scary, but interesting. <laughs> but interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Suzuki, when you got to Suzuki, 96? 97? No, not, uh, yeah, you 97. Quit. Bad bikes. Oh, so Conventional bad. forks. They went back to conventional forks. So bad. The Rocco actually just refused to race one one weekend. Yeah. McGrath struggled. They Tim Ferry did win on so 125, slow. by the way. But the 125 was good, but it was they're, better. It was they're better. terrible. Were the 125s bad then? Uh, he said they were. Oh. Yeah, 
the T fifty was such a turtle. It was so <laughs> so slow. I, I remember, you know, I, I when I left, I got a couple Suzuki sent to Oklahoma to Cliff Palmer's house. In fact, uh, right after I left Suzuki or er, Honda and Houston Supercross was the next weekend, and I remember getting it. And being all stoked because it felt good. I put yeah. bars on it. It was skinny I got, and stuff. Yeah, 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 and I got suspension, you know. And I, I was coming off the Honda, the 97 Honda, back onto this, which felt similar to a 96 Honda. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And we went out to uh, one of Cooper's Supercross tracks. And I remember going one lap and coming in going, something's wrong with it. And Cliff's dad was helping me out. And he's like, you know, so he starts looking at it. And he's like, no, man, nothing's wrong with it. I'm like, Cliff, ride this thing. And he was riding Suzuki's, I think, that year. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, it feels good. It's fresh. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I just made a huge, huge mistake. <laughs> this is not a good bike. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it took him slow. until 01, 02, a long time. Uh, they, Maybe before. We, okay. I, 98, the big 99. shrouded bikes, were they good? Were the 98, real? 99, okay. they were pretty good. All right. Yeah, big, Bird, big Bird was there and stuff. Yeah. They yeah. got fast. We okay. had some good ones, right? Uh, 90, 98 was pretty good. 99, 2000 were really good. There was one point, I was at Yamaha. Uh, you guys basically copied the YZ250 motor. They tried. Yeah. They tried. Same boost ports on the side, yeah. Yeah. Uh, same casing, like, Sworn yeah. stroke were the same, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. we were all that laughing. That bike was freaking good. We're like, though, they dude. just took our motor and just made it. Yeah. I mean, which it is great. It was our, uh, the Yamaha was our, was our, um, our goal bike. So we'd ride the Yamaha. And Yamaha had really good connect between the throttle and the motor. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean, if you were to go through a real slippery, slow turn and you barely touch the throttle, yeah. it would do something. It would connect to the rear wheel where... Most of the other bikes, you'd do that and you'd get a little hesitation, and then the then the thing would kick out on you. Yeah. And I and I was a huge fan of that. I'm like, you know, I, I think I had decent throttle control, so I really I love that. Mm -hmm. And and I just I had to have it. So they ended up basically copying the yeah. Yamaha motor, and then we had even better, you know, mid and top that year than than Yamaha. I think. Well, so. people don't realize like well, even when I was at Yamaha, the R and D department had every bike. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just buy every bike and that's right. what you ride, right? Right. No, and, absolutely. And, and that's it. Yeah, you got it. Um, yeah. The Suzuki aluminum frame two-stroke. Not good. <laughs> this was a story I was telling yeah. you earlier. Yeah. No, I was – it's funny because, you know, I, I, I was getting into stunts at that time. And, yeah. And David Barrett, my buddy, called me. He was the stunt coordinator on uh, uh, Fast Lane, which was a show on Fox that didn't last long. And he's like, RT, I need you for a couple of days out here to, to, to ride go-karts around the streets. It's a chase. You're going to be chasing, you know, you got to go under a semi-truck and haul ass on this go-kart. Mm -hmm. So I go out there the first day, and it's actually, we had so much fun. Me and, and David's brother just ripping around the streets on a go-kart, you know, shifter carts. Yeah. So then later that afternoon, I get a call from Suzuki, and they're like, you have to come to Carlsbad tomorrow. I'm like, I can't. I just, yeah. I can't. Yeah. No. Got to ride shifter carts. You have to come to Carlsbad tomorrow. To we've got a special project. We don't want to say much about it, but you, and this was before they've got the four stroke. So I'm like, oh shit, they've got a four stroke. Right. I'm like, oh no. You know, I'm supposed to do this stunt job tomorrow. I'm yeah. making tons of money, having a blast. So I'm like, all right. So I call in. I call David. I'm like, David, dude, I'm so sick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna freaking puke, dude. There's no way. Yeah. You have to come out, RT. I'm like, I'm dead. Suzuki has says you have to come out in the stunt corner. Yeah. Says you have to come out. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, David, I'm literally dying, dude. I cannot come. All right, all right. 
So I get in my car, I drive down to Carlsbad, I show up that morning, and they've got this RM250 motor in this boxy aluminum frame. I didn't even ride the what bike What year yet. would this have been? 03? It's 03, 04, okay. I think. Yeah, Because yeah. it, was, it was two years. What year did, did, did we come out with the four-stroke? Was 450 was 06? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think it was like 04. Okay. And I didn't even ride the bike yet, and I'm pissed off. I'm just like, <laughs> you've got to be effing kidding me. And sure enough, I got on it, and it was the worst bike I've ever ridden. It was slow. The frame somehow. Hold on. The worst bike you've ever ridden? It was one of the I worst mean, bikes. I mean, like, for sure. Yeah. It was definitely. <laughs> you'd land. I remember there was this jump. It wasn't even a jump. It was a hill that you caught a little bit of air off of, a right-hand corner at Carlsbad, and you kind of landed, and the frame would drag so bad you'd almost crash every lap. And I remember just coming in going, I didn't even want to speak. I was so pissed off. They gave you a report card. It was F's. All the way across the board. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, Ugh, um, I, I called in sick to the wrong job that what, day. And again, uh, we'll wrap this up. It's late here in Vegas. Uh, I appreciate the stories. What, what was the best bike you've ridden? I mean, the 96 Honda? The production bike. Yeah. That would be one of them. For sure. I mean, if you don't want to get into all the new technology that we have today, but, you know, that was yeah. something you, that I could jump on and do. You know, yeah. I I had a lot to do with the settings, so, of course, I felt so good on it, right. so good on it. When, you know, a works bike, you know, the, 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 the works Hondas back then, 93, 94, 95, 96, were absolutely yeah. insane, insane. Um, yeah, when you, look, when you lined up like a uh, McGrath's 95 Honda, and then he was racing up against, uh, I don't know who at Suzuki, like 95 Suzuki or whatever, Albi. You're like, oh, geez. No, <laughs> see you later, right? I mean, yeah. besides Jeremy being a great rider. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was like, yeah. I don't feel like nowadays there's that much advantage in bikes. No. Among for the factories sure. back, as, back then. Not And a, then not in the 80s, close. you had even it was maybe even the, worse. Even yeah. worse, right? Yeah, much right. worse. But, you know, those, those Hondas that those guys rode, yeah. they were just amazing. Yeah. The motors. I mean, I'll never forget being able to be in second gear, like all the way down a straightaway and have it still pull. Or <laughs> yeah. you could be like in fourth gear and it would still have the torque to pull. Like yeah. it had this broad power band that anybody could ride. Yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't like some fire breathing bike yeah, that only just, only the top yeah. guys could race. It was the most easy to ride bitchin' motor ever. When you read magazine tests now, and I don't know if you do, are some people clueless? Oh, some, absolutely. Yeah. I, I get pretty frustrated because, uh, you know, but it's their job. It's their job. and They're and trying. They're gonna, it's not yeah. like they're trying to be crappy, but. No, it's absolutely. It's their job, and, and they're telling their opinion. And, and you know, obviously, I don't, I don't agree with 90% yeah. of it. Some of it I do agree with, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure people who read what I write are saying the same thing. I guarantee it. Yeah. And they should. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, any of the bikes, an average guy who's not in the top 10 at a national could go ride any of the bikes in basically bone stock yeah. condition and, and do probably just about as good as they would on some fire breather. You know? Do some of the guys, the tests that you read, do the, do the guys wear orange helmets? Some of the, some of the ones are you? You know what? It's it's across the board. Okay. You know, I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't pick on those guys. They it's it's everybody. You know it's. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I was talking to somebody. Oh, I was yeah. I was talking to somebody who actually does suspension for a living. Um, just this past weekend, and mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, I'm all. What do you do? 
I mean, how do you, I mean, if a guy isn't, doesn't weigh, you know, 250 and is a pro yeah. and he's just kind of an average guy, what, and they say they want their suspension done. Yeah. What, what do you do? What do you do? Because I know I tested suspension for OEM bikes and it's basically a setting that I don't mind. Yeah. It's a pretty good setting. Yeah. How are you going to improve that? These Japanese aren't, uh, they're not blindfolded and throwing shims in the air. I mean, these right. are, no. this is testing. This yes. is testing. Yeah. And, and, you know, even he was, he's, he's one of the top guys and he's like, no, you know what? He's all, most people buy a new bike, they go ride it and they think it feels pretty good. Then the suspension gets broke in and it starts, the oil starts getting old and starts getting softer and they think, oh, I got to have it revalved. Yeah, but it's actually when just it, breaking down. Yeah. When at the end yeah. of the day, you just need to go get it freshened right, up right. and those stock settings might be really, really good for yeah, you, yeah, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't mean to take business away from, no, from suspension yeah, guys, yeah. but unless you're a specialized guy who knows what you want, yeah. dude, those, you know, don't. Yeah, like it's, when, Ross, it's, when Ross Maeda had to valve me stuff, he had to find some special springs. You know? <laughs> Did he? Yeah. You're kidding. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, all right. Speaking of Ross Maeda, uh, one of the smartest guys you've been around? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm in just, awe of that guy. He's yeah. just. He, he has so many ideas and knows suspension and the way it should work, the, the guy's amazing. I mean, I, I was telling a funny story about how he, when the Hondas used to come with KYBs, he was the guy who would come out and do the settings. And he would come out and, you know, we'd have two weeks to get the 125 settings as good as we could get yeah. them. And, and when you're doing suspension settings, it's real easy to kind of go in circles because, you know, you start getting tired, the track starts getting rougher, your yeah. hands start hurting, your ass hurts, and nothing feels good. So Ross would, he was classic. He would drink Hawaiian Punch. And the reason he drank Hawaiian Punch was because when he was younger, Roger DeCosta was at the USGP drinking Hawaiian Punch one day. So he drank Oh, he Hawaiian loved DeCosta. Yeah. That was his hero. Yeah, he told me that. Yeah. Absolutely. So he would drink Hawaiian Punch, and that's why, right. because DeCoster did. Do you know he traveled to Belgium when he was like 16 to go watch Roger race with no, his buddies? Oh, yeah. Story, you got to ask him that story. <laughs> went there with his buddies like, we got to go see Roger. He's Jesus. You know what I mean? And oh, they yeah, went to, yeah. And I think Roger talked to them, or he, like they met him. Like, did they? Yeah. Oh, back in like funny. 70, whatever, you know? <laughs> so anyways. Anyway, okay. so yeah. so we'd get there and and I'd go ride the bike and I'd come in and I'd and I'd go okay this is what the bike's doing you know shock or fork whatever we'd happen to be working on and and he would sit there and he'd kind of go hmm okay and then he would ask me like a few stupid questions like well how's it doing here and he would do this for about twenty minutes yeah and waste about twenty minutes and then he would go and he would click the clicker maybe one click yeah and I'd be looking at him and he'd be like. All right, go ride it. Go go try it. So I'd go out and do a few more laps. I'd come in. I'd be like, all right, let's do it. And he'd ask the same stupid questions. <laughs> and this would go on for two and a half weeks or yeah. about no, yeah. about a week and a half. Okay. And then towards the last two days, he would start valving it and start busting ass. And he was smart. He'd be like, dude, if I gave you this setting on the first day, it would suck by the last yeah. day. So, yeah. And that was his whole – he had it figured There's out. There's a mentality behind you know? it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, worst production bike. You've ridden, I mean, the 97? Wow. Or is there one, is there a, <laughs> what? The worst production bike, man. Yeah. The Suzuki? I, I mean, mean, there's, you know, uh, I don't know. There's, I mean, if you really want to talk about like a Husqvarna 125, I rode. There okay, was for a, magazine stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that I actually tested um, 
that I actually worked on. Or even on. magazine stuff, like whatever. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was just talking to somebody about uh, I was so bummed because I was such – my dad wrote Huskies. I was a Husqvarna dude. I wanted hus- – you know. Laporte. You saw Laporte oh, beat Hannah on a Husky. I loved him. Right, you right. know, it was a Husqvarna. Right. And I remember the magazine. You and Mitch Payton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dirt Rider got a, a 125 – CR, I think they yeah, were they called 125CRs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude. What year would this have been? This was like 88, okay. 87, 80, okay. maybe right then. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm yeah. going to go moto a Husky. <laughs> I'm going to freaking get this from them. I'm going to race it this year. And I remember sitting on it, and the seat was literally as fucking hard as a rock. And I remember just sitting <laughs> on it going, oh, whoa, and just being like, the seat does not move. And then riding it and being so bummed out. I remember coming in like like being sad. The dream sad. is over. The dream is totally. over. Totally. <laughs> I was literally sad because the bike was so bad. I was like so bummed out. Like, <laughs> damn. I wanted it to be good. Right. Like, you have no idea how bad I wanted that right. thing to be good. And it was just horrible. Uh, horrible. A little while ago, I said to Mitch something about like, you know, uh, I don't know. We were talking about OEMs or whatever. And he was like, it was always Husky. I hear they're coming back. <laughs> I'm like, you can never let that go. He's like, they'll be back. They'll be back. They'll be back. Don't worry. You know, because he started with a Husky oh, show. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, hey, uh, quick story before we go. In 1994, you're carrying chickens. Jeff Mantasevich's bike around. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chicken was riding Yamahas. Right. Um, and I had a box fan at the time. I was riding for Honda. At chicken the time. had lost his factory ride, lost everything. Yep, his yep. Chicken. Yep. So I was carrying his race bike, and and Marshall or, or whoever his mechanic was at the time would fly in, and he'd fly in. Former and rollerball mechanic, by the way. Marshall was. Marshall Plum. Oh yeah, all right. Took rollerball to a lot of titles. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. sure he did. Right. Anyways, uh, so uh, we we were at Charlotte Supercross, and um. I had three bikes in there and his race bike, my race bike. I had a 125 and yeah. three. So four bikes all together. And we, we in Charlotte, we pulled up at this hotel and my mechanic and, and my, my girlfriend at the time and, and a couple, I think a couple other people were with us. Chicken wasn't with us. And my mechanic goes out the next morning and he's, it comes running back in. He's like, dude, into the hotel. He's like, dude, someone broke into the van. I'm like, what? <laughs> Thinking someone busted in and maybe, you know, stole, stole stereo. stereo. Yeah, yeah. I go out and they had, they had clipped the they busted the lock off somehow and they stole my practice bike and Chicken's race bike. And left the uh, other two bikes. Right? Left the yeah, other yeah. two bikes, but you know yeah. the doors wide open. I'm like, fuck, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. What what what's gonna happen yeah. here? So, so I you know we're out looking around. Call the cops. The cops come, and meanwhile my girlfriend or something is standing out in front of the hotel and some some little chick drives up in a car crying and she's like, Hey, you wouldn't happen to be with that yellow truck back there. Would you? And, and, and she's like, yeah, why? Yeah. She's like, and she starts bawling and, and the, my girlfriend's like, well, Hey, what's going on? Right. Hello out. What's up? And she's like, I know where the bikes are. I know who stole them, but they're going to kill me if I tell you. And so we ended up bringing this girl into our hotel room and being like super sweet to her yeah, and, yeah. and being like, no, it's okay. You know? And, and we ended up getting the cops, and the cops talked to this girl. We find out just just a couple blocks away in these apartments are where these guys are with my bikes. In yeah, the, yeah. In the, and chicken's bike. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, okay, bring your box. The cops tell me to bring my box van over to where this parking lot is. Full-blown work. We're standing behind my box van as the cops have their guns drawn, pounding on the window, 
and the door. Open up. It's the police. Freaking open up. Handcuff these. They're two young kids who yeah. one of them was a chicken fanatic, loved chicken. Oh, no way. Yep. Uh, and a chick. So there were two dudes and a chick. And they've got them handcuffed in the apartment. They call me over. They're like, come over and tell me if this is your stuff. There was a helmet that was stolen, yeah. too. And I remember walking in, and these guys were handcuffed, all bent over, like looking up at me with, like, puppy dog eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I walked in. I remember just looking at them and just, like, giving them the fucking cue, I want to punch you look, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we ended up getting the bikes back, and it was just so weird because uh, I'll never forget this house had, like, a – there was, like, a like – a, fetus or something in a, in a bowl <laughs> it's just the weirdest on the i don't know if i was like making it up in my mind but i just remember seeing the weirdest shit in there and yeah and this poor girl we're like you know we were all worried about what was going to happen to the yeah. girl because these dudes were gnarly yeah. you know, kind of gnarly he's a chicken fan he would love chicken went to the race saw was in the pits as we were loading the yeah. bikes because he was getting chickens autograph and noticed the box fan then happened to see the box fan yeah at the hotel. I'm going to steal my hero's bike. And he fucking stole the bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he actually was buddies with Bradshaw. What? Yeah, he knew Bradshaw and was buddies with Bradshaw. Like, they were kind of buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Crazy hey, times. And you think of all the chicken Bradshaw battles over the years. Oh, absolutely. So he was like even. How hilarious. He was like, hey, I'm helping you out, damn it. <laughs> Don't worry. I know. I got your back. I got right your back. Now. I got Chicken's bike. Uh, and, of course, Chicken was oblivious to all of this. Probably. Chicken didn't even know. I don't even know if I actually told him. I don't think I ever <laughs> even told him. I Hopefully he listens to this podcast. Uh, uh, well, hey, um, man, I feel like we can go on forever, but uh, hour 36 into this thing. So oh, um, thank you for all doing right. this. Uh, X-Brand Goggles, Head Honcho, uh, Rich Taylor, BTO Sports, Dot com Racer X podcast presented by Thoramex. You know, our buddy Lou Lopez at Thoramex. He'll be listening to this. Sweet yeah. Lou. So uh, um, thank you for doing this. X brand goggles, eksbrand.com. Uh, check it out online if you want to uh, get yourself a, a sweet set of goggles. And uh, you, you know, we got to do a part three. Absolutely. At some point. Uh, when I start talking, I almost feel bad because people are probably like, shut the fuck up. But no, I no actually nobody's have, saying that. There's a lot. There's a lot more. You're, when I start talking, I start thinking, damn, and this And you're was also, a good one you're also going to cause me to stay up to edit all your, your F-bombs. So I've made, oh. I've, I've made mental notes here. Why didn't you tell me? Ah, it's more, it's more emotional. Right. It's good. Right. Don't worry. I'll put Sorry, a beep. everybody. All you little kids, I apologize. I'll put a beep. In, I'll put a beep in there. Nobody oh, will know. Cool. Okay. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you for doing this, man. This, the, your career, um, you were like, Right outside of greatness, everywhere. You know what I mean. And then you were so oh, much. Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe that came across really shitty. We're making greatness right now. How about that? Well, you know what I mean, though. Like you had a front row seat to all of this. Never mind your great results and your great, you know, no. all the stuff you've done. But then you've had all this other stuff come along. Like your stories are endless, and your experiences are endless. And yeah, yeah. Do a part been three. Some good ones. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And um, yeah. Again, so let's sell some goggles for you for doing this. Well, X, X I mean, again, I don't want this to be an ad, right. but I do want to thank everybody like I have because, yeah. honestly, your listeners and your shows do unbelievable things. Who would ever thought so. that? I wouldn't have. <laughs> I take, when you, you know, were working for Frenette, right. who would have ever thought this? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, when we first met, uh, I was uh, I sign autographs and take photos with people. I swear <laughs> to God. I love I it. I swear. <laughs> As you should. Because of this show. And, uh, and again, I remember working for Frenette. All day long, and he made the main event, and he would only get, buy me like a, a Happy Meal. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's your bonus. I'm like, come on. He's like, I got no money. 
You know, so uh, you know, you, him, you and Fournette share a distinction. Uh oh. First Be factory careful. moose riders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, factory yeah. moose riders. You yeah. and Fournette. That's right. When moose broke in, they needed two <laughs> they top needed athletes. Guys. It was you and you and him. Oh, how fun. Uh, Gary they Gibbs. Good though. Gary Gibbs. Gary was awesome. Yeah. 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 He was such a uh, cool dude. All right, Rich. Hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look for everybody. It's a December. What did I say? Oh nine. Oh nine. Oh wow! Wait, yeah, December '09. That was the last one we did. Yes, it's the only one we've ever done. Now I feel bad. Right, three years later, you come I in for part bad. two. God, it's like a Star Wars movie. Every three years, we're gonna do one. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks, RT. Thank you. This has been the BTOSports.com podcast show, brought to you by Racer X. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, if anybody ever sit me down, of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great podcasts. You know I've got this friend up in the atmosphere, another reason, another fear.